Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Amen. We are all Community of Hope. That is it. Uh, Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Community of Hope. If you came a little bit late, you missed the beginning. My name is Jose. I'm the campus pastor here at our West Palm Beach campus. Can we just praise Haley and the band again for what they're doing with our worship? And I... I want to thank the Lake Worth campus for just lending her and Pastor Brandon to us for just a a couple weeks. So thank you. So speaking of this week, our pastoral team has been doing a ton of preemptive work, and I'll tell you what that means. Um, As maybe you didn't know, but Pastor Dale was actually out on a conference this week. Pastor Jeff is also out of town. And Pastor Trevor, his wife Leah, is about to give birth. So yeah, that's awesome news, except when we're trying to coordinate what's going to happen on a Sunday, right? And he's up to preach. He actually did preach at, at Loxahatchee. So... We were trying to figure out what to do, and the, and the pastoral team looked at Brandon and I, Pastor Brandon and I, and, and they said, you guys are, are it this week. You guys are covering the emergency line, and pa- Pastor Brandon, you're up to preach if something happens on Sunday. And well, needless to say, we sort of looked at each other, and it was, it's kind of like that moment when you are 11 years old, and your parents leave you and your sibling alone for the first time. Your only job is to not burn down the house. So join me. I'll join in on the mission of, for me this morning and help me not burn down the house. <laughs> so, amen. So, but I'm excited to be here with you guys. The past three weeks, we've been um, doing our series, I Am Community of Hope, and we've been um, really tackling this idea through the lens of Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Where it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And really, in our series, what we're doing is we're we're focusing in on what are the distinctive pieces of our church? What makes community of hope, community of hope? Hope And our mission statement is actually a modern application of this very passage, and it's going to be on the screen right now. We exist to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. But specifically in this series, we're, we're really aiming at the first half of our mission statement where it says we exist to interest disinterested people in Jesus. And that's what I think, we, that's the distinctive piece that we're going at. And the question is really, how, how do we accomplish that mission together? How do we do it? So today, our final Sunday in this series of I Am Community of Hope, we're going to, in a sense, recap what we've learned, what we've talked about in the past couple weeks, but we're going to expand a little bit, and we're going to really send you home with some very practical tools, literally, on how to get this done. So take out your Bible, your notes, your COH app, and we're going we're gonna to dive right in. And so speaking of practical tools, my bathroom has been under construction for a good while now. You guys know where this is going, don't you? So actually, as I was writing the sermon, it wasn't done, 
But I praise the Lord, I did finish it after several months. So, but here's what happened. It took me so long because I struggled to find the right tools. I went to Home Depot. I was, I'm really new to re, uh, re-grouting bath tile. It's the first time I ever attempted to do this by myself. And so I go to Home Depot to buy the, the tools to do it. And as I'm looking, I'm, I'm going to, you know, to the section where they have the grout rakes. And I see a whole lot of plastic ones. Okay, and if you, if, again, if you've, if you've done this before in the bath, you know where I'm going with this. I didn't really know the difference between a plastic one or the metal one, so I went, you know, the plastic one's cheaper. Let me just save a little bit of money, and I went with a plastic one. Oh, needless to say, I don't know who thought that plastic could ever remove solid grout. <laughs> I don't know if it was, who's worse, the manufacturer or me for buying it, but needless to say, it wasn't the right tool for the job, lesson learned. You can't get it done without the right tool. And sometimes I think that Christians are a little hesitant to get the mission of the church done because they don't think they have the right tools. They feel ill-equipped. They feel like they can't get it done because they don't have the right tools. But really today, we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture that really expands on this idea of being on mission for Jesus in the midst of any context, and it unveils a strategy, really, for how we can accomplish this Together. So if you would turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, I'd love if we could read that together. 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to read from verses 13 through 16. If you don't have your Bible or on your phone, it's on the screen as well. So the, the, the Apostle Peter writes here, starting in verse 13 of chapter 3 Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Church, would you pray with me? Lord, speak for your servant is listening. Your servants are listening this morning. We ask that you would open our hearts to your words your words alone this morning, and would we be changed? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So but before we dig into this passage, let's talk a little bit about the background of what's, what's going on in this passage, because we just read like a, a snippet of, of a whole book, right? Um, so really, the person who wrote this letter, his name was Peter, and he was one of Jesus' original disciples. And in this letter, he's writing to a group of Christians who are undergoing severe persecution. And he's telling them to use their persecution as a tool, really, to be a blessing to others. To use their context, in whatever context, they can still be a blessing and they can still be on mission for the Lord. It doesn't matter what they're going through. The circumstances did not matter. However, what often happens when we read a passage like this and we read the word persecution in the text, we often 
as modern readers here in the West, we read ourselves a little bit into this text, don't we? In light of our culture and whatnot. But I want to make something clear before we go into this passage and say that right now, right, the persecution that he's talking about is a little bit different than sometimes what we imagine as persecution. Ideological and cultural political conflict is not persecution, right? It's not persecution. The Christians in Afghanistan who are facing life and death, that is persecution. These Christians were facing life and death, literally. That was persecution. Is it coming one day to our context? I think so. But it's not quite here yet as it is in the text or in other places around the world. But within the text, really, Peter's, what Peter's saying is the context doesn't matter. You can still be a blessing. You can still be on mission for Jesus. You can still share the gospel. You can still be equipped and prepared to share it with anybody who asks you, no matter what the context is. So we want to, I want to take this strategy that he's, that he's talking about here to these Christians in their context, and I want to reapply it to us today in ours. And so firstly, Peter calls Christians in this text, to live a questionable life. And I put it in quotations on purpose. I'll let you know what I mean in just a sec. But look at what 1 Peter 3.15 says. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. To everyone who asks you. And really the assumption is you ought to be living in a way that people are going to wonder People are going to ask you, where do you get your life from? Why is it that you live the way that you live? Why? The assumption is that people are going to notice and they're going to ask you that you would live a questionable life, right? So as many, as many of you already know, our beloved brother Jim Reichard passed earlier this week. And his, his picture's on the on the screen, and um, Ronnie, our facilities, uh, one of our facilities uh, directors, he, he actually, he looked at the picture, he said, that was Jim. He was always smiling. Isn't that, and everybody who knew him, they could, they could attest to that fact. But I want to bring him up in our, in our service, and I asked the family for permission to do that this morning um, for a particular reason. I didn't have, unfortunately, the, the, the privilege of meeting Jim, but... I've never, never been, I've never, never been at a funeral or a service about a man that left such an impact on anybody that he met, whether it was for three, for three minutes, a three-minute coffee meeting, or it was for 30 years, almost 30 years with his beloved wife, Margarita. But Pastor Trevor, he told them about, he, he did the service and he told everybody about the first time that he ever had an interaction with Jim. And I wanted to share that with you guys today. It was the second week that Community of Hope had begun ministry here in this building, which, you know, with, with uh, what was Good Shepherd. And it was Pastor Trevor's first week ever preaching here in this campus. First week ever. And so before service, the prayer team, they, they prayed for, for Trevor, of course, and Jim was there. And Jim began to pray for Pastor Trevor. And so, but Pastor Trevor immediately remembers thinking as he's praying for him, he says, you know, they're all laying hands on him. He's sitting down, they're all over him. And Jim starts praying and Pastor Trevor's just, who is this guy? <laughs> who is this guy? And if you knew him, you know where he's coming from. 
He remembered saying, who is this guy? And really, he recounts saying, you know, Jim was, he was normal. (laughs) He was overjoyed with confidence about Jesus. That was his normal, right? And, And again, if you knew him, you would often wonder, was he the good kind of crazy or the bad kind of crazy, right? And Pastor, Pastor Trevor lovingly remarked, he was crazy for Jesus. He was crazy for Jesus. He loved the Lord so much, and it just exuded from his person. No matter what he was doing, no matter what he was going through. Actually, in, during his chemotherapy sessions, there'd be other people around him, and he would, he would look. He would ask the Lord Jesus, would you reveal to me someone today that needs a blessing, Lord? And he would go and pray for one person. I mean, even, even as he's experiencing those situations, he always looked to be a blessing. He always looked, and people, and I think that's why Pastor Trevor, the first time he ever met him, he had a question about him. It was, who is this guy? Why does he have that joy? Why does he exude that confidence in the Lord Jesus? And I want to ask you this morning, do people, when they meet you, do they ask the same question? Do they even know that you profess faith in the Lord Jesus? I think those are some hard questions to ask us because it revolves around the way that we live. But Peter's implication is that we would live in such a way that people would recognize to whom we belong. Amen? And so to give a quick recap of our series and really what we just talked about, much of what we've shared in this series has to do evangelism, being on mission for Jesus through our actions. But we would be wrong to assume that evangelism is simply our actions. It involves words as well. So from here, we're going to move into that space. So first, Peter calls us to live a questionable life one that people would notice and ask questions about the Lord Jesus to us. And secondly, Peter calls us to speak with gentleness and respect to those who think differently than we do. Would we read uh, 1 Peter 3.15 one more time? Where it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this, you can underline this, with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. Now, I want you to raise your hand if you love to be right. All right, I count, let me see, I count one, two, three, four. Let me see how many liars we have in the room. Who's not raising their hand? (laughs) Giselle, did you raise your hand? (laughs) I have my hand up too. I have my hand up too. (laughs) We love to be right, don't we? Everyone loves being right. There's nothing worse than being on this, you know, freight train of just you being right, trying to prove a point, and then all of a sudden you're just wrong. <laughs> Happens to me all the time, especially when I'm driving and trying to find some place. Anyways, you know, we, we think that, sometimes we think that we can convince people to agree with us if we just prove that we're right. If we just prove to that person that we are correct. And hence, all the arguing that we see on TV and social media and all the rest about culture, politics, etc. We assume that just because we're right, people are going to agree with us and join our camp. And that's not the truth, is it? Absolutely not. But you know, sometimes I think that the same thing happens with Christians. I think sometimes we can, we can assume that somebody will 
come to faith or come to church and invite, if we just prove to them that we are right, if we just argue enough about who Jesus is and we prove that they're wrong. But I want to say something, and it's a quote that somebody told me, a very wise man told me, and I've sort of, I, I hang on to it really in my heart. You can win the argument, but you can lose the person. You can win the argument, but you can lose the person. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2, chapter 23, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 23, verses 23 to 25, he says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Yes, the NIV uses the word stupid. (laughs) Uh, The stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. You know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. And here's the key verse, I think, for us. Opponents must be gently instructed. That's a hard thing. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Isn't that incredible? This passage says it all. Now, we're not talking about people who have genuine questions. And I want, I want to make that clear. A conversation, right? If somebody has questions about Jesus, about church, they want to sit down and have a conversation, that is very different. A conversation is very different than an argument, and we can easily tell the two apart. A conversation is a two-way dialogue. An argument many times because becomes you talking to a wall and the other person talking to another wall. But the point is, Peter is encouraging us to be careful. Be careful the way that you share your faith. Be respectful. Be gentle. There's a whole lot of people out there that don't agree with the way that you live your life and don't agree with your faith and your beliefs. A whole lot. But nevertheless, Peter calls us to be respectful, and he calls us to be gentle. And so, first, he calls us to live a questionable life, quote-unquote. Second of all, he calls us to share our faith with gentleness and respect. But thirdly, he calls us to be prepared. Peter's calling us to be prepared in our mission for the Lord. Look at 1 Peter 3.15 again, and if you want to underline this first little phrase where it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. Key word being, always be prepared. In a multi-generational survey on evangelism conducted recently by the Jesus Film Project, they asked over 1,600 people, they asked this question, what prevents you from sharing your faith? What prevents you from sharing your faith? You want to know what the number one response was? Fear. Fear was the number one response for why people don't share their faith. They're afraid. And there were different, there's a multitude of reasons why somebody might be afraid. But one of the ones that that they teased out that a lot of people resonated with was being ill-equipped or feeling ill-equipped ill-prepared to share their faith with other people. And the the fear around that really is that there'll be questions, there'll be a circumstance that they might not know how to navigate or answer. And so for the remainder of our time, this is where I want us to park. This is where I want us to focus on. 
Because I think we've, we've sort of touched in our series a lot about um, our actions, right? Living in such a way that people would notice. Being kind. Pastor Dale did a tremendous sermon in Romans chapter 2 where he talks about the kindness of God leading people to repentance. But now, I want us to really hone in and focus on being prepared spiritually and verbally, right, to share our faith with others. And if you think that you're ill-equipped and ill-prepared, this right here is for you. This is actually what I want us to take home this morning. And so I'm going to give you three helpful steps that you can use every time you want to share your faith. It's not a magic formula, actually. It's really just ingredients that you can take with you. It's really applicational. So first, whenever you want to share your faith, begin with your before and after Jesus story. In other words, your testimony, your before and after Jesus story. Now, your testimony is not your life story. It's not a biography. And if you sit down with somebody who's just barely curious about Jesus and you tell them a 30-minute life story... I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> they may not ever ask you again about Jesus, okay? I think we've all been there, you know, by the laughs, you know, and I think we've all done it to somebody. Can we just, <laughs> we just say that too? It's not your life story. Your, your, your testimony is a retelling of your life before and after Jesus. It's sort of like the highlight. Who you were before Jesus is this person. You met Jesus, and now you were this person. The chosen says, I was one way, I met Jesus, and now I am different. And if you think that it might be a little bit complicated to sort of come up with that, actually, let's just read somebody's testimony. It's a one-liner in the Bible. It's in John chapter 9, verse 25. It's on the screen. And he says, Jesus is in, is, well, in the context of this verse right now, there's a blind man who was healed by Jesus. And he's uh, approaching the, the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and they're sort of questioning him and saying, we've known you from a, like, you know, you've been begging here forever. You've been blind your whole life. How is it that you were healed? And so this is, and so he mentions the name Jesus, but of course they have an issue with Jesus. And so that's the context of this passage. And so in, in, in verse 25 of chapter 9, it says, he, the blind man, replied to the Pharisees, whether he being Jesus, is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, here's his testimony. I was blind, but now I see. That was his testimony. A one-liner. I was blind, I met Jesus, and now I see. You see, for those of you who believe in Jesus, there was a time when you were spiritually blind. When you could not see. And you met Jesus. And his light Open your eyes to walk in newness of life with him. And it changed you forever. And however that looks in your life, that, my friends, is your testimony. That's your testimony. I'd love to share what that looked for me. I grew up in a Christian home, and I began serving the Lord at a, at a fairly young age. But I never truly owned my faith until later years until I was a young adult. But before I truly uh, committed my life to the Lord as I was growing up, I, even though I was going to church, I had like one foot in the church, but I really had another foot in the world. And I, and I was trying to find the answers to my purpose in life, my calling in life, really, 
in the world and culture. And I was, and if you remember our previous sermon series called Rooted, which really uh, honed in on community, I was rooted in a community that hindered me from seeking those things out, from seeking the Lord. And it wasn't, it wasn't until I met a young man by the name of Xander, whom I now call one of my closest friends, who lived a life so close to Jesus. He was like Jim Reichert. He is like Jim Reichert. And when I met him, I wanted what he had. I wanted his authenticity. I was tired of, of my hypocrisy. I wanted his character. I wanted his faith. And of course, during that time, there were some really nasty situations happening in the life of, of my family. And I remember after I had become really close friends with Xander, his influence really uh, led me to a point where I was home alone and I, I just kneeled down and I asked the Lord, to remove me from the community that I was so rooted in and to forgive me and change me by his grace. And I committed my life to the Lord that day. And literally, that's exactly what happened. I was quite literally uprooted from that community in like a week. My character changed, my faith changed. And God called me to ministry and here I am today. And it's all by his grace. It's nothing I did. It's nothing I did. It's all by his grace. And he has the power to change you too. And that's my testimony. What's yours? And I think that the big takeaway is that you would, if you haven't thought through your testimony, it's in there. Every Christian has a testimony. You can't say you don't have one if you're a Christian. Go home and think through it. Write it down. Seriously. Maybe even think of the key points before, you know, you can think of some key words of your before you met Jesus and who you are now. And let it come to you. It'll be in your heart. And so number one, share your before and after Jesus story. Share your testimony. After you share your uh, testimony, share the gospel. And I use this little tool in case you have a hard time remembering. I use what's called the good news, bad news, good news. Good news, bad news, good news. And so the first good news is God created this world good. He created the world. He created you in his image. And you have infinite value and worth because he's bestowed that upon you. He has and he loves you and he wants to deeply and intimately know you. The bad news is that we messed up. We messed up big time. And I don't think anybody can argue with the fact that we are not perfect and we all have sin. But the final good news is that God made a way to restore it all. God made a way to restore that relationship with him and his name is Jesus. And he has the power to forgive your sins and change your life. And when you remember it in that way, good news, bad news, good news, you're giving them the gospel. You're actually telling them that's the story of the whole Bible. Somebody, what's the Bible about? It's the good news, bad news, good news. That's the whole story of the Bible in a nutshell. It really is. And so, and that that was, that's a seminary, that's a seminary lesson for free, by the way. So, you could take that with you. Good news, bad news, good news. But seriously, it seems, like a, it seems like a simple tool, doesn't it? But it's a good way to remember. I'm going to say it one more time so it sticks in your brain. Good news, bad news, good news. So number one, before and after Jesus' story, your testimony. Secondly, the gospel. But thirdly, we're partners here. We are partners of community of hope. And so invite them to church. 
You're not on this alone. You're not on this alone. We're here to partner together as a congregation, as a people for this community. So you share your testimony, you share the gospel. Invite them to church. And if they don't come, you don't push them. They come on their own accord. But if they do come, we welcome them. We love on them. We show them who Jesus is. That's the whole point of our mission, to interest disinterested people who would rather have nothing to do with Jesus, to come to this altar and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And so at the beginning of our service, you received this little card. And this is where we're going to put it to good use. And so this card has some really helpful steps that sort of delineate a lot of what we've talked about in this series. So if you either miss a series or can't remember, a lot of it is right here on this card. And you can take it home with you um, and put this series into practice. And you'll also notice that there are five lines. And so what we want to do at the moment is actually just take a time in prayer. And I want you to think of someone or maybe up to five people that God has impressed in your heart that need the Lord. Whether they're just totally disinterested or whether you're too afraid to try and interest them. And write their names down. Just write them down there in the stillness of your heart. And if you're comfortable, I challenge you to come up to the altar and lay the card right here and kneel down and pray for them if you're comfortable doing that. And so as the band plays, I'm not even going to tell you guys to stand be prayerful. Write down a couple names. And if you're willing, come up to the altar and pray for those families, for those people. Lord, we thank you for this time that we've had together to talk about our mission, to talk about you and Lord, how you love the lost people in our world and in our community. Would you give us the courage to live in such a way that people ask us about you? Would you give us the gentleness and respect that we need? And Lord Jesus, would you help us to be prepared, to be confident in our testimony, to be confident in what you did, Lord, and to be confident in our church. We love you and we thank you. Would you impress in our hearts now, Lord, just a couple people whom you know and we know need your grace. We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Church is all by his amazing grace and you have the testimony that you have. Use it. Share the gospel. Live a life that people will see Jesus. The real Jesus. you have your eyes closed, remain closed and receive this blessing. From scripture itself, it says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, church. Go with God. We'll see you next week starting our new series, True For You. God bless.